0: Good morning. Good morning. I miss my mom. I miss my dad. I miss the road, I miss my band, giving hugs and shaking hands. It's a mystery, I suppose, just how long this thing goes. But there'll be crowds and there'll be shows. There'll be light after dark some day when we aren't 6 feet apart anyone recognize that verse? No? No? I thought I was squarely in the Luke Combs uh, target market. There is a uh, song by Luke Combs, a country singer. I'm a big fan of his. And that's the chorus from his songs. uh, It's called Six Feet Apart. And it's kind of wild to think about, isn't it, that we are almost three full years away from COVID. And I know when we think about COVID and the lockdowns and kind of the the biggest part of it there's a lot of negative we, we can kind of think about it in terms of you know the trauma or the the things that we experienced through it. but it wasn't all bad i don't think it was all bad I, as i think back to the time of covid uh, actually kelly and i got 100 dollars direct round trip flights to colorado we went hiking and biking uh, on this great family trip for only 100 bucks it, it, it was an incredible trip we went to the colorado zoo and saw all the animals We went to Disney World, and the place was a ghost town. I mean, we were going from park to park. We were running through all the lines. It was it was a really, really great trip uh, right in the heart of COVID. The only thing that was a little bit not magical is they kind of had these, like, prison-style loudspeaker announcements going on repeat that you had to keep your mask up over your nose if you weren't... Their word was actively eating. You had to, you know, do this, and uh, they, they had like pretty strict. Uh, uh, they said that you'd be banned from Disney if you weren't uh, following uh, their uh, their masking rules. But when I think back on the trip, it, it was an incredible. There was no crowds. There was no lines. There was no people. One of the other uh, one of the other things that really kind of changed me. One of the ways that it affected me is I grew up uh, out in the country, in the dirt, and uh, outside, and uh, I would never have said that I was a real germ-conscious person. Uh, I was just never, like, really aware of that sort of thing. But COVID had a way, right, of kind of heightening our awareness to the things that we're touching, the things that were around. And I have two very uh, sensory little monsters. And as they walk places, you know, they're just doing this. You know, they're just feeling things up as they go along you know they just they're on the floor they're picking things up off the ground and the worst thing and the thing that like really gets me and again I wouldn't say that I'm really germ conscious is you know when you go to the airport and there's those people movers they love the feel of that rubber moving rail going through their hands They'll just be, you know, going through there and and my son, Ryder, he'll just be having his hand right on there. You know, Kelly and I will turn around and he's got his cheek on the side of it going, (laughs) it feels so great. You know, at that moment, Kelly and I are about having a panic attack. Stop, 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 stop. You know, it it changed us. It changed us. One of the things uh, through COVID, too, is I I really got into reading books. I I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't deal with the media. It was all the same, the numbers, the lockdowns, all this stuff. I, I just got to a point where I just couldn't keep on listening to everything that was being put out. And so I got into Audible and listening to books uh, instead of listening to music or to kind of mainstream media. And so this morning, I want to share with you one of the books uh, that really had a powerful impact on me that I read about a year ago. Now, I get that this is not a book club. Right, we're not here just to trade which ones are favorite books. So I think it's important that on a Sunday morning service uh, that we do have a biblical basis uh, for a book that we're going to introduce. So, if you uh, think to Deuteronomy, the beginning of Deuteronomy, Moses has led the people out of Egypt, and in the beginning, in the first few chapters, they're wandering around in the desert. They're uh, you know. Kind of kicking butt and taking names. They're beating, uh, you know, meeting different kings and taking over territories. And you get to chapter five, and this is where a lot of us are familiar. In chapter five, uh, they start uh, starts with the Ten Commandments. And so Moses gathers all the people together uh, and he kind of gets them all in one place and he lays out the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not covet and thou shalt not murder and you shall have no other gods before me. And that kind of goes through all the way through chapter 5. And then you get into chapter 6 and he lays out the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment being to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And, and not too dissimilar from this, there's a big crowd of people there. And, and you can see, you know, Moses has laid all this stuff that he's re- received from God. And you can almost, like, maybe feel, like, a sense of awkwardness in the room. Like, uh, all right, well, what are we supposed to do with all of this? And, and you know, I, in, in my head, I can almost hear, like, you know, Aaron, you know, maybe behind Moses going, Hey, Mo, Mo, you got to tell him what to do next. He, what are they supposed to do with all these new rules and all these laws? And that brings us up to Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. I'd like to read it to you. It says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This morning I want to talk about what that looks like when we want to bring the gospel, when we want to bring our faith into our daily lives. And, and that's what this book is about that I want to share with you. It's a book about how do we incorporate biblical principles and practices into our everyday lives. And if you look at those verses there, you, you find that we teach them, we discuss them, and we make them tangible. It's not just something that we do once a week. It's not just something that's a singular experience, but it's something that we incorporate into our everyday lives. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this time, this opportunity to get together. I pray that you would allow us to set aside the distractions of the week behind and before. I ask that you would quiet my voice, that we might hear yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So that's where this book comes into into play. This is a book called Habits of the Household. By Justin Early, and I've recommended it to a number of you, so maybe some of you are familiar with it. But it's called Habits of the Household, and he goes through 10 different daily habits that each one of us has. And the book is definitively oriented towards parents with children in the house. Uh, but there's a lot more that can be gleaned for those who don't just have kids in the house, but the book talks about the habits that we have every single day, regardless of the form or the stage that you are in your own lives. So there are three habits and three practices that we all can, uh, that we can transform if we're willing to take an intentional and purposeful approach to them. Now, the first one is waking, waking on purpose. You know, when we get up each day, we have this natural way that we're trying to organize our thoughts. Our mind immediately begins looking for something. It begins looking for energy, for purpose, for guidance, for connection. And, you know, this is kind of a natural response. Have any of you ever let a young child fall asleep in a car and wake up in that car? Well, what happens when a young child wakes up out of a deep sleep in an unfamiliar place? They start crying, right? They're rattled. When they don't really know where they are, when, when what they usually count on, or what they, when they usually like know where they are, when that doesn't happen, they become a little bit unsettled. Now, I think each one of us wake up each day looking for something, looking for purpose, looking for meaning. As I've shared with you before, and no, I don't have any firearms up here, I am into shotgun shooting. And shotgun shooting, not just, uh, I shoot these targets, clays, these orange targets that fly through the air, and a big thing uh, with shotgun shooting is safety. And so you have to wear protective glasses, and, and these are the glasses uh, that I wear when I go shooting. Um, and they're not just for safety, uh, but like this one, it's kind of hard to see in this light, but this one is an orange lens. And so when the light is low, it kind of makes the orange color a little bit more vibrant, a little bit easier to see. So I have orange lenses that help me see the clay targets. I have these red ones that even though it's red, when it's really bright out, it makes the kind of light appear a little bit darker and also enriches the color of the orange as it's flying through the air. So when it's really, really bright out, I use those to be able to see a little bit better. These ones are neat. These are purple lenses, which may seem a little bit unusual, but the effect that it has is like when you're in the woods and there's a lot of green in the background, it mutes the color of the green so that when you're shooting and you're looking at an orange target, it makes it stand out much more in contrast to the environment that you're in. I think the way that we begin a day allows us to put on a lens that gives us a better, a better view of what we're aiming at, of what we're looking at. For example, let's say you're in the home and you know your day is going to be filled with little kids where you know you're going to need an extra measure of patience? What if you began your day asking God, seeking the word to be able to approach your day through the lens of patience? Or what if you know you're off to a hard day of work, you're going to have long hours, you're going to have difficult situations that you deal with. What if you approach that day, the first thing you start with is asking God for joy in your work, for joy in the task, to be able to find meaning in the challenges you face. You students, you young ones, what if you started your day through the lens of faithfulness? Faithfulness to your talents and your gifts, to your mission in your school, to the beliefs and principles that you espouse. What if you started your day looking through that lens? I think we can do this. And I think there's a few ways that we're able to do this. The first is to eschew your phone. Now, I'm like a lot of you, right? I sleep with my phone 10 inches away from my head. It's my alarm clock. And About the first thing that I do each morning is I reach for that phone, you know, to turn off the alarm, or I reach that phone, and just like almost without thinking about it, I just swipe up, right? The way that I think we can start our day off focusing in and orienting ourselves towards God is instead of doing that, instead of the first thing that we do, opening up that phone, instead spend time with God. Now, now the reason for this is if the first thing that we do is we look at our emails or we, we look at social media or we look at the sports, these things produce within us a sense of uneasiness, a sense of hurriedness. You know, if, we're, if you're on social media, it can present uh, feelings of, uh, you know we're, we're trying to keep up with other people, or uh, there can be temptations in social media. If we're opening up our emails, we can just sense a, a sense of anxiety. Oh, I've got to get going. I've got all this stuff to do. But instead, I'm saying, I think if we start our day by looking at God and looking to Him, that we can start off on the right foot. So the, the two things that we can really do, we can start off with prayer. Now, this doesn't have to be, and I'm not trying to put on anyone a certain amount of prayer. We know that in the Bible, God tells us that he loves short and messy prayers. The Lord's Prayer is only 65 words long, depending on the variation that you read. 65 words. You can say it in 20 or 30 seconds. That's the prayer that Jesus used as an example for how we ought to pray. Start with prayer. Start with Scripture. And and again, it's not about how much scripture, Scripture. Pick a book. Pick a chapter. Pick a verse. Something to get you started off looking into the word in a way that shows that you're looking to him first before the things of this world. Now, if you do have young kids in the home, if you do have young ones that are going off to school, I encourage you to gather together and send those young ones out. For the last couple weeks is something that Kelly and I have been doing. We, we wrote a prayer together and we share it and we recite it together before we send the boys off. And it's a way for us to add meaning and purpose, that we're not just trying to get out the door on time. We're not just trying to get, uh, you know, our things together and make sure that all the homework is done, but we're recognizing that there's a purpose and a mission as we begin our day. So if we start off the day looking to God for him, for his guidance, and for his direction, the second thing that we ought to do is we ought to consider some of the other habits that we have. And the, and the next one I'd like to look at is meal-ing. So you just bear with me here. Two, my other two points were verbs that end in I-N-G, and so for the sake of consistency, I thought I'd make this one meal-ing. And I thought, well, you know, making up a word certainly will make it more memorable as we go along. I'd like to share with you a clip uh, from the movie Inside Out. Now, if you're not familiar with this uh, movie, the premise of this film film shows people as being controlled by their emotions. Uh, Inside their heads are the emotions, and they kind of control the actions that we have. And in the clip I'm going to show you, it's a scene of a young family, a mother, a father, and a daughter. And inside, you kind of zoom into their heads, and you can see their emotions. They're represented by these little differently-colored characters. And the first ones that we'll see are uh, anger and disgust and fear. And we're going to take a look at how a meal may look uh, when it's just done without any purpose or without any direction. After school What luck, right? Huh? Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, this, uh, here, you, you pretend Wouldn't to be joy Wouldn't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic What was that? That wasn't anything like joy Uh, because I'm not a joy Yeah, okay. kidding Did you guys pick up on that, uh? Mm-hmm. Something's wrong Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle So she doesn't notice okay. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be joy. Oh, okay. Um. Hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're gonna find out what's happening. But we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. <laughs> 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 Looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did she say? Well, oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is the one? What? He's making that stupid face again. I could <laughs> strangle him right now. <laughs> Signal him again. Ah. So, Riley, how was school? You think I've got that until so you a helicopter Pilot? Boom, I'll beat you up. School was great, alright? Riley, is everything okay? <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Lee, <laughs> I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll well, show you attitude. You don't. No, 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 stay happy. <laughs> what is your problem? Just leave me alone. <laughs> Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. you <laughs> that the DEFCON 2. <laughs> Listen, man. I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this money? Come and get it! Yeah? Well, look- Here it comes. Prepare the foot! So this is a great illustration of what we're not looking for, right? The the, the parents are disconnected. The conversation is mindless. We're we're not heading in any one particular direction. I I view this as a missed opportunity, right? They're all there just to kind of eat, to get up and go. This is a missed opportunity. The Bible is rich with spiritual language about hunger and fulfillment, about bread and water, about tables and banquets, and meals are a common medium for life, connection, and restoration. But this is not just a biblical ideal. I asked Google what they thought, what Google thought of family meals. (laughs) The University of Florida and Harvard both and University both have done studies on the importance and the effects of sharing family meals together. Parents.com even wrote an article on the seven science-based benefits of eating a meal together. Now, I know, I doubt any of you are in the back, you know, arguing against, well, we should all eat alone in silence. We should all, uh, meals are no good for anyone. I know that probably all of us recognize the importance of sharing meals together. What I'd like to do this morning is encourage you to bump it up the priority list. It's hard, right? I know that schedules... And coming and going and different food preferences often can force us into just using mealtime and specifically the end of the day is just something that we kind of do to get over with and get on to the next. But instead, I encourage you to consider three things. The first is to have them. Bump it up that priority list. Share a meal together. In his book, Justin Early, the author, talks about meals together as one of the keystone habits of a vibrant family It's one of those habits that by automatically, even if you don't go to the next step of doing it in a purposeful way, even if you don't go beyond just having them together, the effects that it have of bringing people together, of establishing connection, of kind of syncing up your lives in a powerful way, um, just having them is one of the keystone habits. But beyond that, if we do gather together and we do decide to spend that time together, there's a couple things that we can do. And I I want you to notice that little icon. You see, no phones. You're going to notice a theme through a lot of this. Put the phone away. And I don't mean just putting it like in your pocket or putting it on silence. Put the phone like in the other room, right? The the phone is just a distraction. It's something that takes away from your ability to focus on the people that you're with. The first thing. Put the phone away. Secondly, is go through, take turns, answering the same set of questions. Now, this can be a powerful way to give everyone the opportunity to share and talk about what's happened during the day. And, and, and really be purposeful about letting everyone talk. I, I know my boys... Often they go through, have, they do school together, and so they'll, one will start a story, and the other one will kind of talk over, and uh, when we do this, when we, you let people answer the same set of questions, be purposeful to let everyone answer. Questions that you can go through are like triumphs and trials, or the story of the day, or highs and lows, these things that don't just talk about what happened, but our reflection and our response, the effect that it had on us. You can also pick a topic and let everyone kind of weigh in on on one particular topic. Some of the questions that were brought up in the book uh, that you could ask at the dinner table would be, who is someone that God is leading you towards? Do you have any specific prayer requests that you've been waiting on, that you've been asking to God and you still haven't heard that answer? What is the church? Where is the church missing the boat? Do do you feel like within the church that there's some ministries or some needs not yet being met? And maybe is that something that you could be a part of? Or maybe ask about the frustrations that each one of you are feeling. What's making you angry or feeling you frustrated? The dining table is a great place to have these kind of corporate discussions to really bind us together. The last habit that I'd like to look at this morning, if we talk about the corporate experience of being together as a family, whether you have young ones in the household or not, but to moving beyond the corporate conversations uh, into one-on-one conversations. Conversing. that? That's totally a real word, conversing. (laughs) Jesus had dozens of one-on-one conversations recorded in the Bible. And if we want to bring the gospel into our daily lives, we have to seek them out as well. We need to create the opportunities for one-on-one experiences. And if you have young ones in the home, I know it can always feel like we're always doing things together. But I ask you to have those one-on-one conversations, to really look for opportunities, and more than that, to create the opportunities. If you have little ones, instead of going to the store by yourself or going to the grocery store, maybe take one of them along with you. Now I know this will make the trip longer. It will need requests for candy or requests for certain types of cereal, but it's worth it to have the time alone. Take one of your kids along with you for some one-on-one time. If it's not with kids, if you're looking to have one-on-one connections with people, other important people in your lives, commemorate first days or last days. Commemorate birthdays or just schedule a no-agenda morning coffee. These are opportunities when you can get together with someone. It may feel a little bit uncomfortable, but if you take that step to purposefully have a conversation with someone where you're just looking to connect with them, it can be a powerful thing. In the book, Justin talks about third things, I thought this was a really interesting idea to use uh, because sometimes one-on-one conversations can feel like an interrogation, right? When you think about one-on-one, it can feel like there's a lot of pressure. You have these visions of maybe sitting across from someone at a table and you just got to think of what you're going to say. But if you utilize what he calls third things as a way to do something collaboratively, sometimes it can lower the pressure of having a one-on-one conversation, With friends, if you're looking for a way to connect with friends and utilizing some of these third things, it can be like bonfires or car rides, walks or hikes, baking or knitting, these gardening, these things where you're both doing something at the same time but it doesn't really engage you fully, where you can feel like you're doing something together. It's a great way to consider what's a one-on-one thing that utilizes one of these third things that lets you connect more deeply. If you have kids and you want to have some of these one-on-one conversations, consider, during car rides, turning off the music. (laughs) I, I know my boys are always asking for this next song or asking for this next album, but instead of putting on the music and kind of tuning into that, turn off the music and tune into them. Bedtimes are a great way where as kids wind down a day, often they're open to reflection and conversation in a way that sometimes they're not. And and I know I'm as guilty of this as anyone. I consider bedtime to be something to be accomplished, to be able to get it over with as quickly as possible. But utilize bedtimes. Their hearts and their minds are open. Spend a little bit of time just asking them how their day went. What are the things that they're thinking about, the reflections that they have? Now, in these conversations, sometimes it can be hard to go past the surface-level things. Sometimes it can be hard to get onto a real conversation. And Justin, in his book, talks about the importance of modeling vulnerability. Showing someone that a certain topic or a certain thing to talk about is an okay thing to discuss in a one-on-one situation. If we want to get to the next level of connection with someone important, often it takes taking that first step and showing them that something isn't off the table. Now you'll see there, my little icon again, put the phone away. Put it away when you're having these conversations. You don't want to be interrupted in a moment that could derail something important. What about the kid? The key here is to put aside distraction and surface-level topics and get to know an important person in your life through intentionally finding opportunities and stewarding conversation. In the book, Justin tells the story of a time when one of his younger sons, Cole, got hurt. He was out on a swing set and he talks about the story of uh, his arm had got somehow kind of twisted up in the swing set and he got badly cut. And Justin talks about the events of the day when uh, he rushed out to pick up his son and and took him to the emergency room and kind of all the things that went along with this. And uh, one of the things that Justin talks about is using conversation as a way to heal and mend trauma. Trauma being those times of pain and suffering when often we can get so focused or the person who's been hurt can get so focused on the actual pain that they lose sight of all the things around it. In just Justin's example, when he describes it, he talked about after he, they'd been to the hospital and after they'd come back, kind of leading his son through a series of questions, kind of goes like this. He, he, said, he said, Cole, what happened when you got hurt? And Cole responds, well, my brothers came and got you. And then he asked Cole, well, then what did I do? He said, you took me to the doctor. He said, what did they do when you went to the doctor? They, they helped heal my arm. And kind of going through a conversation where the focus of it turns away from the pain. A conversation that isn't revolving around the hurt, but what came out of that. Pain and suffering are some of the things that lead us into the most growth in our lives. And conversation can be the key that allows us to be able to see the growth and the change in our own lives. Now this can be hard. Trauma and suffering... It can be scary topics to bring up. But saying something out loud gives it a real weight and a real meaning. Bringing feelings out into the open sometimes that you didn't even know you had. It's a way when you're having the conversations uh, to bring meaning into the hard things that we all experience in life. To show that challenges of life are not meant to be handled or dealt with alone. Talking about hard things or trauma is uncomfortable. But it's worth processing out loud with someone who loves you and cares about you. Don't shy away from these opportunities to help someone heal. Being intentional about waking, about meals, about conversations are just three areas that I think that we can add a level of an intentionality to our daily lives. That will really transform the way that we integrate the gospel and our faith into our daily rhythms. If we're willing to put in the effort, we can transform our hearts and mind through bringing God into the small things that we do. Justin Early in this book, Habits of the Household, talks about these three areas and seven more uh, that we can utilize to practice the story of God in everyday rhythms. Now, I'd like to end my sermon this morning in the same way that he ends every one of his chapters because it's so important to remind ourselves, I know the danger of talking to a group of Christians about daily practices and the importance of the things that we do, the danger here is that you can get wrapped up in performance, that we can get wrapped up in, well, I need to do these things in order to earn my love. Justin has this quote at the end of each chapter, God's love inspires our action, but our action does not inspire God's love. It's important for us to remember that No matter the practices that we implement, no matter the things that we do or the things that we don't do, God won't love you anymore. God won't love you any less. God loves you fully and completely apart from the things that we do. Now, I cannot over-recommend this book. It's been a fantastic book for me. It's been transformative in our household. But I do want to use caution. If you decide that this is a book that you think could be powerful in your house, I'd like to give just a few Uh, measures of caution to read it carefully start small Uh, justin is an attorney he's clearly a type a personality he's oriented towards habits and consistency and liturgies and and all these things that he outlines his book and they're fantastic things let let me say they're very challenging and encouraging uh, to a young family or, or really to any of you that may be considering the book but don't get caught up in trying to meet the standards that someone else has set If you're going to approach a book like this, I encourage you to start small. Do what feels easy. Make a change that you think you can implement today and tomorrow, not get caught up in the 20 things uh, that really resonate with you. And go slowly. Uh, One of the ways that Kelly read the book was that she read one chapter and then tried to implement one thing before going on to the next chapter. If you get excited about the book or you're excited about these kind of ideas, it's easy to burn through the whole thing and then have all these ideas swirling in your head of, man, I'm just going to live on fire for God and we're going to change the way that we do all these different things. Slow down. Take it slowly. And I encourage you to create your own versions. There's a lot of really great recommendations in this book about the things that he's implemented in his family, about the things that he's changed and transformed. But I encourage you to take these ideas and create your own versions, not just try to follow exactly what he's done. And lastly, let me have your attention for this one. Don't confuse this book with the Bible. Any book like this that talks about daily living or practices of Christians or encouragements to do certain things, the book should be pointing you towards the Bible. The book should be pointing you towards the gospel. Do not elevate this type of subject or topic or practices as a way to measure your own faith or measure other people's faith or to put these types of things over your own faith. Books like this, we have a tendency to use them to uh, fall into patterns of legalism. And So don't elevate something like this over the Bible I challenge you today to live your life on purpose, the small things that you do on a daily basis. Consider where you can find new areas in your everyday life and add intentionality towards God and the gospel. And secondly, if any of you do happen to pick up this book and it's been a powerful effect on you, I'd love to mealing with you. (laughs) Hear how it's had an impact on you. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that our faith is not just Sunday mornings, that our faith is not for sacred spaces or sacred purposes, but it's in the every day. We know that you want to be a part of our hearts and our minds on a daily basis, and I ask that you would give us insight into our own habits and rhythms, that we might find ways that we can bring you into the things that we do every day, that we might orient our lives to see you, and to bring the gospel into our hearts and into our practices. I thank you for each one here this morning. pray that you'd bless them as they go out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.